Hello, Panthers fans. How you doing tonight? It's uh, your friend John from One Panther Place. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for stopping by. Boy, it's been a hell of a day, huh? <laughs> it's like you you would think the Panthers lost the other day uh, based on how uh, how salty Mr. Ellis has been here. Uh, so yes, <laughs> a lot of feedback on Twitter about uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about. I wanted to take a few minutes, carve out some time here, and just kind of give you a reset on where I think this team is with their quarterback situation. And to further drive home a point, <clears throat> hopefully to, to the thousands of people who follow our content, and we certainly appreciate that because, as you know, it's not for profit. <laughs> I'm not making a dime off any of these tweets. It's opened up some great doors for my career. But, uh, no, I, I'm not profiting off these views. So, to that point, let's talk a minute about the uh, – the elephant in the room here. It's uh, Teddy Bridgewater, okay? So I'm getting on a daily basis here, indirectly, directly, people are DMing me that people are taking shots at me. People are DMing me directly that, oh, you're uh, the cam talk. Quit with the cam talk. It's too much. And uh, honestly, let me just give you some, some straight-up talk here, folks, okay? Cam Newton was a dynamic player for this franchise for a decade. This team cut him loose in a very haphazardly fashion. Cam has not been very good this year. That's very clear. In the passing game, there are a lot of reasons why that is. Now, I'm hearing pushback from people saying he never would have played here for a minimum contract. Of course he wouldn't have. He was under contract for $19 million. Now, would he have honored that contract? He says he would have. Some tell me that he wouldn't have or suggest that he wouldn't have. That's all fine. That's in the past. Cam Newton is a dynamic person, a dynamic personality, not, not only from my perspective, but for, I, I would say, more than 75% of the folks who follow my account. So just from a marketing business perspective, okay, just from a reach perspective, not in terms of likes and clicks and all that bullshit, but in terms of servicing the fans here, it's to your benefit, the majority of you, and to mine, to give you as much Cam Newton content as I can along the way here. Because people still have a high level of curiosity about this particular quarterback. So no harm, no foul. Because it's very easy, as I've told you over the years, as I've told you over the past couple months, if you didn't dig in the Cam talk, all you got to do is mute me or mute Cam Newton's name or just unfollow the damn account. <laughs> just don't, don't give yourself heartburn over it, folks. So that's the first thing. There's the Newton discussion, okay? The point I drove home earlier about his contract versus Bridgewater, and we're going to get to Teddy in a minute. Cam has made just over a million and a quarter this year, it looks like, in terms of earnings. Yeah, the guaranteed money was in the 550K range. He's had some incentives come out. So he's only making 50000 or so per touchdown. Bridgewater, on the other hand, is like $1.2 million per touchdown produced. So again, is that a fair comparison? Maybe not. But again, when you're looking at value, okay, per touchdown generated, touchdown responsible for, you've seen that new way of phrasing that stat. Folks like to wash the Newton stuff away and say, oh, the rushing touchdowns don't count. He's a quarterback, man. And then you can smell the F-150 exhaust on those comments. <laughs> it's, that is straight out of the F-150 playbook, folks, um, because it gets to a, a, the core of an issue that, running quarterbacks are somehow at a disadvantage um, from an evaluation standpoint. Yeah, folks say that about a lot of running quarterbacks. They've said it over the years, and it's just rife with bias. Um, look, shifting away from Newton, I I'm going to continue to give people Newton content because people like it. When people stop liking the Newton content, I'll probably stop delivering it. It's that simple. And if that somehow compromises your view on me, I hate it for you. You call it one Newton place. Why don't you just rename it one Patriot place? God damn. Y'all, I'm telling you, man, Panthers Twitter, because <laughs> I said this earlier, it's not toxic, but damn, there are some, all the way up to the higher level people who, and some, even a couple reporters out there, a couple people in the, in the peripheral media are just soft as Charmin, man. It's like, I, I talk to players, Okay. I talked to Deshaun Foster. I've talked to Charles Johnson. I've talked to our friend Stanley McClover. I, I've even indirectly talked to some of the current players. None of them are crying about anything we're talking about here. The criticism about Bridgewater, 
Okay, there's a select group of fans out there who come at my neck about this as if I'm somehow hurting. It's the same thing they did with Stanley. McClover the other day, oh, are you sure it's a good idea for your your brothers in the locker room with Teddy? Should you be criticizing Teddy? That might be, who gives a shit? Nobody, I can't stress to you enough, I've been doing this for a long time. To quote the great Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40. So <laughs> I've been doing this shit for a long time, folks. I've been around a lot of people who have coached, who have played in this league. And I can tell you right now, if they give a shit, about what people are saying on Twitter, they're already done. They're, they're, they're already so far gone mentally, it's it's not even funny. Half these people are using Twitter. These players are using Twitter for marketing purposes. So half of, the real big ones aren't even using it. They have people tweeting for them. But Bridgewater doesn't care about what I think, and I'm not here to get his attention. It's not my job to rally Bridgewater to get to a better place. It's my job to look at the film to break down what I see, and to give you analysis from a football perspective that's very fair. And this gets to the point of why I wanted to talk with you tonight. If you have any questions, please drop them down below. I don't mind taking a minute and fielding anything from the draft to the defense, whatever. So Bridgewater came into this season with $33 million in guaranteed money. This was the quarterback this coach and this regime yearned for. And I mean that seriously. They yearned for this quarterback. Okay. What happened with Newton happened. It could have been anybody. It could have been Steve Berline. could have been Jake DeLome. Anybody. Jake DeLome went through a situation late in his career where his arm sort of fell apart on him. Now, is Newton down that road? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We'll get to that later. Bridgewater was given a very fruitful two-year window. And again, I told people earlier, he's got 33 guaranteed million reasons not to give a shit about hard analysis. But here's the truth about Teddy. And for those who defend him and try to, to deflect and say, oh, you're not giving him a fair shake and, oh, you're just a Cam Homer and all this bullshit, I have given you so much film on Bridgewater over the summer. Yeah, I was there. Of all the people, there's some good reporters with this team. Yeah, the Joe Person, Jordan Rodriguez before she left to Los Angeles. Um, yeah, God, Nick Carboni, our good friend. Uh, this, this callous Scott Fowler, there's, there's a ton of competent people. You know, Josh Klein from the riot, a lot of good people doing that. My job is not to be in the press room asking questions. I've come to realize that's not my place. The team doesn't want me there. I don't want to be there. I want to be where I'm at, which is looking at the film, watching the games, chopping it up with my buddy, Billy Marshall on our podcast, which you should subscribe to on iTunes and giving you the real deal on what we're seeing on tape, because the film does not lie. You can talk all you want about leadership and platitudes and, and all the immeasurables and the intangibles, but when it comes down to it, it's a data-driven, film-driven exercise. Bridgewater has been terrible situationally. Let's go back to the Chicago game, where he missed a DJ Moore wide open on a seven route. Okay. I'm going to get you questions in a minute, guys. I see a few coming in. I appreciate that. I promise I'll get to them. That's a situation where he missed an opportunity. Absolutely missed an opportunity. Go back to the Raiders game. First game of the year. Fourth and one. What do they do? They don't trust the quarterback. Now, is that Bridgewater's fault? I'm not going to directly pin that on him. That's Joe Brady learning how to do things. But fourth and one, they don't put it in the quarterback's hand. They don't convert. Tampa game, Bridgewater gets back into it late in the game, but then throws a critical pick. He also throws a pick on a screen pass, the, the same type of screen pass y'all were killing Cam Newton for against the Rams. Okay? That set them back. Arizona game, he had a nice game that day. Probably his best game of the year in terms of productivity. He still threw a pick in that game, but played well from ahead. Same against Atlanta, very efficient. He get down to the New Orleans game. Played very well. This is after the Chicago game. Played very well in that game. But again, the Atlanta game. One interception, one touchdown. At Kansas City. Doing a pretty good job there. But again, you're talking about a lot of quick stuff. Intermediate. Two of his touchdown passes this year, two of his touchdown passes have been on shovel passes. They're basically handoffs. So again, for all those who want to shove the stats in my face and say, well, John, I, mean, I don't watch any film, but look at his stats. He's been very efficient. 
Steve Berline had 2,000-yard receivers just like Teddy did in 1999. Steve Berline threw for 36 touchdowns. Teddy has 15, two of which were shovel passes, basically handoffs. Okay? Let's look at this from a more detailed level. Since the Minnesota game, okay, where he missed a wide open, wide open DJ Moore in the end zone. Here's the stats. If you if your guys are into stats, here you go. Under 65% passing. Two touchdowns. Two touchdown passes, guys. Two touchdown passes since the Minnesota game. Two touchdown passes since the Minnesota game. Two interceptions. Two critical interceptions. Okay? He's been sacked 11 times. Billy Marshall, who does a lot of film study, I would recommend you follow his account on Twitter. He does a podcast with me, and Billy has been very adamant about this. Sacks are a quarterback stat, and they are. They are. You look at the film for the Washington game. Every one of those opportunities with sacks, he had a chance to climb the pocket. I'm not lying to you. I'll post the tape later. Okay? These are things he's got to do a better job of. This was his audition season. And again, I'm not mad at Teddy. Teddy get paid. Every player. I told Stanley McClover this too. About his brother and about guys he's played with like Mike Rucker, Al Wallace. Get paid. I'm all fucking for it. Get paid. If the team is going to offer you $33 million guaranteed, damn Teddy, good for you. You've been through some shit. You've had a hell of a journey. Your knee's been ripped to shreds. He deserves a nice payday. But we can also be critical of a quarterback when he doesn't measure up to a starter's contract. He's making $24 million this year, folks. He's, he's bagging $24 million. Cam was scheduled to make $19 million. Now, folks keep telling me, oh, he wouldn't have played on that $19 mil. We just don't know that. We never got a chance to explore that avenue because the minute Matt Rule got that job, they wanted Bridgewater. And that gets back to a bigger point here. Matt has talked a lot. Matt had a great win in Washington. I'm glad they went in there and they played hard. And I want them to kick the shit out of New Orleans. They probably won't, but I'd love to see it. But Matt Rule goes from being half awake, half dead in a presser after (laughs) some of these losses like Minnesota to coming out swinging and, and just in attack mode in this press conference with a lot of swagger. That's fine. It's deeds, not words. As the great Dom Capers once said, show me deeds, not words. Um, with Bridgewater, this was the guy they wanted. This was the guy they decided for two full seasons, because this contract is prohibitive for two seasons in terms of a release. He's being paid starter caliber money for two years. And he, over the last, like I said, Matt wants to talk about having to play your best football in November, December. Over that stretch, he's won one start. He has uh, an arm that doesn't lend itself to vertical passing. He misses consistently, short and long, on vertical stuff. And he has an inability consistently to connect on some of the best vertical threats in the league. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. And this shit continues. And it's frustrating. Because uh, uh, among all else, guys, I'm with you. I, I, I am a fan I love this football team. I want to see these guys perform well. I care a lot for for 25 fucking years. (laughs) Excuse the language. I've been here in the trenches with you guys. I've seen everything. I've seen the high. I've seen the Tony Pike days. I've been here for the Brian St. Pierre, for the Matt Lytle days, for the when back when Luther Broughton was catching balls from Steve Berline, our good friend, uh, uh, <laughs> the Kerry Collins, you know, getting in a fight at the bar and breaking his jaw. I've been through all of it. You know, I've been through the 1998 shit fest where Kevin Green, God bless his soul, God rest his soul, gets into an altercation with Kevin Steele on the sidelines. I was five rows up from that. No one cares. No one in that building at Ministry cares more about this organization than I do. I've been here every step along the way. And I know a lot of you guys feel the same way. So that's my role here. You know, I, I, I provide a service for you guys as a voice of the fan, but also provide some insight on some of the people I've gotten to know over the years from the business and also the film study side of this, which I've spent a lot of my time 
learning how to do properly through some really smart people. And I'm telling you right now, when I get attacked indirectly, directly, through DM, people coming at my neck, I usually don't respond to it, but it's been just, it's been wicked over the past couple weeks. And I'm telling you right now, folks, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I totally believe in, in freedom of discussion and let's have an engagement here, but you're just going to get banned if the bullshit continues because I just don't have time for it. I don't, and I'm not talking about just disagreeing. I disagree all the time with people. I went 10 pages deep today when I had some free time talking with a fan about why he's wrong about completion percentage and efficiency with Bridgewater. And then we laid out half, more than half of his touchdown throws this year have been complete dink and dunks all the way to the point where we're doing shovel passes. So I sound emotional here. No, I, I, that's, that's fine if you want to take it that way. My feeling, I'll take a deep breath here. Whoo, Johnny, getting over that COVID here. I've got a little post-COVID energy here. Um, folks, look, it's not that complicated. This quarterback, uh, in, in many ways, was calculated to be better than he was. Um, you you need to produce more in the red zone. You Against Mike Zimmer came out recently, the, the head coach of the Vikings. He's Teddy's former coach came out and said, this is the worst defense I've ever had. The worst defense I've ever had. Well, Teddy Bridgewater in that game, along with the offense, but Bridgewater's the commander there. He's the lead. He's the, he's the guy running the point there. Teddy is 0 of 3 in the red zone. 0 of 3 in the red zone! Okay? It's just... It's 0 of 3 from the red zone against Mike Zimmer's self-proclaimed worst defense ever. We, we previewed this game in advance with a with uh, Arif from uh, the, the Athletic. And he said this, this, this secondary has problems. And this quarterback went back home after getting a, a, some time off to, to, to rest his tweaked knee and just shits the bed. And it's like people are just, I, I dare bring it up. And people, oh, don't you go easy on Teddy. It's year one. He's a fucking veteran. He says it's just... And I'm not trying to be brutal, but damn, folks. We went years with Newton playing with nothing. Playing with the Keelan Clay and the, and the Brenton Burson tripping up in the playoff game over his own feet and fumbling in the wild card game and throwing the dog shit on the perimeter and having to take shit sandwiches from the local media and from the national media and getting criticized for his wardrobe. And then Teddy comes in and, and, and everybody's expected to be on their best fucking behavior. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's just not going to fly. Uh, it's the same thing with Ted. You know, look, here's an example of where I've been critical with Newton. There's a game from, I got the encyclopedia out in my brain here. So don't, don't, don't try me tonight. <laughs> look at his hair, Cam. <laughs> Thank you, Buck Farmer. <laughs> we get to you more of your comments in a minute. That's pretty good. Yeah, look at his hair. Look, he doesn't care about his way. He doesn't care about wins. Look at his hair and clothes. Give me a fucking break. Uh... Here, here's where Cam could screw up sometimes. 2017, that great game against Minnesota. All right? He had a throw on a Texas route, a little angle route to McCaffrey. He fired it way too high. Incomplete. Ball was tipped, and it was actually intercepted. I believe Sendejo got it. Or maybe it was Harrison Smith. It was Harrison. And, um, okay, and that was kind of a fatal flaw. That was a terrible throw by, by Cam. And then, you know, the, all of a sudden, you've got uh, – you know, Mike Zimmer and, and the number one seeded Vikings on the run there, and, and they're they're right there pretty much taking command of the game. Well, what does the quarterback do who just made that mistake? Cam Newton, who's not playing on the best of conditions with his shoulder at that point, drives the length of the field on what was like a 55-yard run on a read option. Oh, it doesn't count, John. He's got to pass the ball to prove himself. Shut up. I was there. It was one of the most electric moments in franchise history in a regular season game. He he leaves he leaves Sendejo's ankles at the goddamn 50-yard line, carries two guys down there. Jonathan Stewart, who we talked to a lot on Twitter too also, takes over the top, wins the game against in an underdog situation to keep the playoff momentum going with just dog shit vertical weapons. Nothing to work with. And now all of a sudden, He's told to leave. 
And people are assuming that he wasn't going to be here anyway. I don't know where that assumption comes from. People seem to have these inside sources that the agent, you know, that's fine. If you have inside sources, embellish and talk about it, report on it. But don't drop these Twitter nuggets that, well, he wasn't going to stay here anyway, John. He wasn't going to. Okay, fine. If you believe that, that's fine. But what Newton did with what he had to work with was exceptional. And what, what this quarterback, at the money he's being paid right now, is doing it's a disgrace with these weapons, with Curtis Samuel ha- to, having to basically play running back to be productive because he can't get the ball vertically to him. He had a wide-open touchdown. He underthrows him by five yards. He's stuck with a 50- or 40-yard gain. Okay, that's fine. It's an easy touchdown for a quarterback who has vertical competency. The same goes for D.J. Moore. Runs a nice round in that game against Washington. And, uh, you know, look, he didn't make the throw. He didn't make a throw against Minnesota like this, a deep over route to D.J. Moore. He didn't make a throw like this against uh, Las Vegas early in the season where he had a wide-open receiver up the seam. There's been countless examples. And, guys, I told you this. I told you this in the preseason. What you're getting with Teddy is a distributor. Mark Schofield and I talked about this, a competent point guard distributor. And... It's just, it's disappointing for the guys around him. And you know, Bridgewater, look, this is part of the gig. When, when, if he was making, this is, people were, oh my God, remember the Kyle Allen discourse last year. My God, this guy was making league minimum and getting his balls kicked in every week by Panthers Twitter. Oh my God. And I know the national narrative pushed that. I know there was a national narrative out there that said, oh, you know, hey, you know, Kyle's 4-0 in his first four starts. Might be time to turn away from Cam Newton. No, 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 no. No, it was not. It was never time. He was an adequate backup. He still is. But people crucified Kyle Allen on Twitter, especially Cam fans. The, the real Cam stands out there, oh, they were brutal against Kyle Allen. But somehow I'm not supposed to be equally critical, not in a brutal way, not in a personal way, but in a football sense of Teddy Bridgewater, who's being paid 33 million bucks guaranteed to, to put up 15 touchdowns in a 16-game season. I just, look, folks, I, I, if you've got a, here's the other thing. If you've got a problem with me, we can hash it out. We can do a podcast. We, hell, we can do one of these periscopes. Talk to me about it. But I, I know who you are, and it's the indirect shots you take at me that are just childish. It's just childish. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about you guys. It's about... There's a hierarchy of, of, of Panthers Twitter, and it goes all the way up the chain. Even to some of the in-house guys who are just, you know, they, oh, we're going to, now it's time for my thread to tell you how exactly things are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it down for you and tell you how it is because somehow I'm closer to the situation than you are, John, and we're going to lay down the facts. You're not going to outsmart me on football. You can outsmart me on the business side. You can outsmart me in a lot of areas. But I've got the receipts, I've got the film, I've got hours of footage. I do this for a living. This is my business. So if you're going to come at me like that, do it directly and let's have that conversation. All right, let's go through some questions here. Woo, we got a list here. Let's go. All right. Uh, was Bridgewater's Brady's call? Rudy seemed bothered by, uh, Rule seemed bothered by Teddy somewhat. Who knows the answer? That's from... Uh, Sonar J. Uh, yeah, I uh, that Evan Cooper was an assistant with Carolina, who's one of Matt's guys, uh, was really heavy on, on Teddy. And in my my sense from people I've talked to was it was Brady. I can't verify this, but I have a pretty good sense that Brady was brought here with certain conditions in mind in terms of okay, I have some personnel things I want, and I'm almost certain Brady. One of his conditions was look. I have a lot of interest in Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was a make or break thing, but I, I don't think anybody ever had a true interest in Newton. They never really bought it. I may, it might have been a health concern, um, and it, it might have been just stylistically. It, they, they weren't going to mesh the personality conflict that we've talked about. I couldn't see Matt and Cam coexisting looking back now. I think it's pretty clear. That's not Cam's fault. 
Uh, Matt, you know, Matt's pretty rigid. So I, I think they just, they just wanted what they wanted there. They wanted somebody who would be subservient to the system and play within structure. To that point, though, lately he, he's been given a lot of freedom pre-snap. And this is what pisses me off, okay, about some of the, the teddy stands out there that come at my neck. They give him, if you watch the game, instead of just looking at the stats, look at the amount of freedom he's given pre-snap. Look at that, he gets the, breaks the huddle 15 seconds. He's up there like Peyton Manning, checking everything. He's, he's orchestrating way too much. Joe Brady's on the field now. They're still having communication issues in terms of, do we sneak it low? Do we go high? Well, we go high, we fumble it on one of the worst up-high sneaks I've ever seen in my life. He's, his body, he's not equipped for that type of thing. So, obviously, that was a miscommunication. They've, they've admitted as much. There was miscommunication in the Denver game late about what type of play they wanted to run before the two-minute warning, and the coach has continued to call him out on it. So, uh, yeah, Britt, to your point, Sonar J, uh, yeah, I think Rule has been annoyed, and he's been very honest about it, but he's also had his back, and I think based on the contract, he'll probably start here next year. Um, let's see here. Was uh, it's from Buck Farmer? Was Rule's comment on the Teddy reach fumble admitting he's uncoachable? Uh, I I wouldn't go that far, and I think Teddy is coachable. Um, I I think the answer is always somewhere in in the middle with this, or it could it could tip one way or another a little bit. But I I think he's shown a little bit of uh, bit, and I think that might be a little bit of a problem for this coach who is very rigid in his ways. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, from Dognose, 1017. Hello, Dognose. Any chance they paid Teddy to be in on the tank? I, I don't think so. I t- there was an easier path to tank here. That would have been saving $33 million in guaranteed funds and starting uh, Will Greer. That would have been the way to do it. And you could have evaluated your third-round pick. But based on Marty Hurdy's de- abrupt departure, <laughs> it's pretty clear who's running the show up there. I don't think... Um, Based on Marty's firing and also the fact that Will has not played one game this year, that uh, Will's not really a a mad guy. Uh, Where would you rank Teddy in the league? For example, is Teddy better than Gardner Minshew? That's from PJ Green 8. Different styles of quarterback to a certain degree. Minshew is more aggressive vertically. I actually like Gardner a lot. I actually like him a little more than Teddy in a lot of ways. Um, what, what I saw in film with Teddy coming into this season was he was shielded by a lot of good things that Sean Payton did schematically. Like, for example, they have a lot of talent, first of all. Their offensive line was fantastic with Teddy there. Uh, Teddy did some good things now. But, but what they did with Teddy is they ran the ball effectively and they ran great play-action concepts off of that. The play-action game in Carolina has been terrible. Okay, if you look at the tape, it's not fooling anybody for, if you, for the most part. The play-action game, for as well as they run it at times, it's the the, the methods in which they call it, um, the, the the situations in which they call it. They have not had a great deal of success getting true coverage guys to bite off play-action. So I think that's something they've got to clean up. But no, I think Gardner's a good player. Minshew's a guy that, that that I would keep an eye on. I mean, I, I don't know for Carolina, but he's obviously not going to be starting next year for the Jags, so we'll see. Uh, uh, Buck Farmer, Tag Moten. I mean, they got to keep Taylor Moten. Uh, he had another great game against Washington, so uh, we'll see. Is Darnold possible? Uh, anything's possible. We'll see. Uh, Sam hasn't had any help either. He's a lot like Cam. He's had a lot of uh, dog shit to work with out there, and I think that's a good guy to keep an eye on, uh, if not for Carolina, for somebody else. Uh, Buck Farmer chimes in, uh, fuck New Orleans. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's see here. ba 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 can't teach speed. No, you can't. You can't teach speed. You absolutely cannot teach speed. More comments. Uh, Dawson Hunt chimes in. People are the first to bring up his completion percentage, but won't bring up his yards per attempt. Bottom of the league or put up his situational accuracy problems. Exactamundo, Dawson. Thank you, sir. I don't have the metrics in front of me on situational throws, but I don't have to because I've seen the tape. And we look at the situations. Let's go game by game. Okay. At Green Bay, the fumble, huge situational error when you're at the one-yard line on first down, okay? That's a difference in the game right there in terms of uh, point differential. Denver, late in the game, they climb back, but they rush it on on third down before the warning. And then fourth down, he throws it under the sticks. He throws a one-yard drag route, another error on my on his part. At Minnesota, 
People like to shit on Phil Snow's defense. I'm telling you right now, here, Phil Snow's defense had two touchdowns in that game. Joe Brady's offense had one. I'm going to leave it at that, all right? That last drive is a moot point if Teddy hits a wide-open DJ Moore in the end zone. So that's that. Uh, the Tampa Bay game, that was a blowout. Uh, at Kansas City, look, the, uh, Teddy played well in that game, but again, he had a chance at the end, and we're doing checkdowns here. So again, when you don't or can't push the ball down the field, that's a problem. Uh, the Atlanta game, it wasn't his finest hour. He 15 of 23 against 65%, only a buck 76 throwing. Atlanta has a pretty porous defense at times. Again, they uh, played pretty well against Kansas City, but they don't have a really good pass rush. Uh, Carolina at New Orleans, Teddy played well in that game too, but again, a lot of that was short, intermediate stuff. And again, with game late on the line, uh, he takes a sack. And uh, not necessarily his fault, but he still took the sack. That's part of it. Chicago game was frustrating because, again, he has the ball late with a chance to go down and tie the game twice. And on one of those critical fourth downs, he has DJ Moore wide open on the seven route. And he completely throws it behind him. Completely throws it behind him. Um, And then, again, you get back to earlier part of the year. Um, He had a three-game stretch there where they won, and he played good football and turned it over once. Uh, But the first two games of the year, again, Las Vegas, they have a chance late to win. He brings it back. But again, on fourth down, they do not put it in his hands. And then uh, the Tampa game, just too many turnovers. So Again, you're looking at some of these uh, games where they have chances uh, to get things done. And uh, it's it's a combination of a lot of things, guys. Joe Brady's not there yet. This defense ranks higher than this offense right now. That wasn't supposed to happen. The, the defense is starting a lot of guys that, honestly, they're not great. And the guys that are great are very young. They got a lot, they got some infusion of talent there. Uh, Yatir Gross Matos is one of the best tacklers along the edge right now. Uh, Derek Brown is coming on strong, man. He's playing some good ball. I posted a clip today of him dropping back in coverage and just destroying one of the uh, backs for, for Washington. It was a treat to watch. Brian Burns, what can you say, just muscles through the paint every week and just is a baller. He's the, one of the top five edge rushers in the league right now, in my opinion. He's just an absolute pro in every way. And he learned it from his brother, Stan, who we talk to all the time. Um, Jermaine Carter's been very good, I think. A, a, a breath of fresh air. Tahir had the nice pick in the game, but I think it was a good thing to get him out of the lineup and get some young blood in there. Shaq, uh, the contract. I mean, it paid him a lot of money here, but he's played better. Again, I just don't know if he's, I don't know. It's what well, jury's out. Let's get one more year with some help around him. Um, Dante's played well lately. Rasul Douglas has been hot and cold. I like his physicality. Trey's been fine. Trey Boston, that is. Burris has been pretty good. Jeremy Chen, uh, again, is just, he's week in and week out, is just doing his job. Uh, yeah, I think Chase Young's probably the defensive rookie of the year at this point, to be fair. Chase really stood out in that game and just, Mop the floor, but again, he's going against Michael Schofield at left tackle, so there's that. Um, Chin's a close second, I think, but uh, I mean, they're both just outstanding rookies. And for where they drafted Chin, I think they got a lot more value there. Um, so yeah, I mean, defensively, they're they're doing. Phil Snow is doing a good job. The Denver game was tough, but even that Denver game, they they got a strip sack on Drew Locke and took it all the way down inside the five, so that aided the offense. So again, when you're looking at points scored, uh, the defense right now is better than this offense in terms of points per game allowed versus points scored. And uh, that's, I guess, a little perplexing for many. But uh, I, I thought I thought Bridgewater would be uh, more effective, I guess, in the red zone. I think that's where I was looking for more. And that's the difference. Carolina has attempted... Uh, our friend Marcus Mosher, who does good work on Twitter, he's a good NFL analyst worth following. Marcus posts a stat that the uh, Raiders have tried 18 field goals inside of 30 yards this year. 18. Carolina's second with 12, and it's a pretty far drop-off after that. If you've tried 12 field goals in a year inside the 30 range, that tells me in that green zone, okay, which would be anywhere from like the 35 down. You're not getting it done offensively. You're getting there. You're getting to that green zone. That's great. But you're settling for too many field goal attempts inside the 35-ish area. So, I mean, they, they obviously they've got to get better in red zone production. Um, so, I just, you know, it, it, this is just, it's, I just, just to reiterate to you guys, look, 
I'm not here to service Cam Newton. I'm not here to service the Carolina Panthers. If they wanted me to work in their PR department, they've had opportunities to bring me on board, and they've thumbed their nose up at that. So that's fine. They've had opportunities to let me in the pressers. That's eh, just not something they're interested in doing. That's fine. I'm just here as a service to you guys, and I'm also building a portfolio for my total career here in the media. I do a lot of stuff with Clemson. I work on iHeartRadio. I'm very blessed to have that going on. I'm a regular on Kyle Bailey's show now on Fridays on WFNZ. These are all great blessings that have come my way, including our podcast with Blue Wire with me and Billy Marshall. These are great blessings that you guys have helped me achieve. And I can't tell you, especially with with all I've been through here and all my family's been through here with, with COVID and in the holidays and, and whatnot, I, I want to tell those who have supported what we do, thank you. And, and the, the, the passion that we bring here comes from 25 plus years of following every game, every second. And I know a lot of you guys are in that boat. And if you're not in that boat, that's fine too. You've been following this team for one year, you're, you're in the club. My friends at the Roaring Riot, they do a great job. It's, it's the ultimate fan club. They're great. And a lot of you guys are Riot members, and you're awesome. But uh, I, that's, I, don't, I, I don't have the infrastructure to provide you with what they do. This is just a little nest where we can come in and have a little fun. Okay, there's some satire with some laughs, some analysis, um, and that's what we do. But, you know, the, 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 the select few out there that um, have just continued to, to try to, to, to bring down what we do, it, it's, I'm not going to change the way we do things, folks. I'm just not, and I just wanted to to get that out there because there's there are a lot of people out there who appreciate what we do, and I'm honestly at the point now where you you walk that line when you're trying to win favor with the organization to get some access, and you kind of reach a dead end with that where you realize okay it's just we're not do it's not happening, it's just not happening. So as long as it's not happening, let's just be straight up honest about how we feel about the talent on the field how we feel about the ownership, how we feel about the coach. Because quite honestly, it's house money, baby. It's it, there, there are some limits to what you can do from a critical analysis standpoint when you're trying to gain access. I've been through it, folks. I'm not taking shots at anybody, but I have been through it. And uh, I, it's, a, it's a battle, especially with my relationship with the fine folks of the Clemson football program now and the way they've treated me. I'm not going to fight that uphill battle with this organization in terms of trying to get a simple Zoom access call or getting in on one of these pressers to ask a question or two. Because I've come to an understanding after talking to some close people I work with and around and even some players and coaches that I've talked to over the years, it's just not worth it. There's plenty of reporters doing the dog and pony show, and they do a really good job with it. And my hat's off to them. But at the end of the day, there's not a damn thing that I need that for, that I can't get on Game Pass, looking at the tape, watching the games, watching the Zoom meetings on the stream, and picking up on context. So again, just so you know, you're going to continue to get honest, fair, sometimes a little bit direct analysis on every single person on this roster, good, bad, and different. Um, I have been with Bridgewater once again. I have praised him a number of times on his story. Yeah, people told me he's a very likable guy. I heard Pat Kerwin, who I respect a lot, Sirius XM host with our buddy Jim Miller, uh, saying something to the effect on, on the radio today that, you know, Bridgewater can charm you. He's a, he's a real charming guy, and he's very um, effusive, and, and he's extremely likable in the locker room. But at the end of the day, it's a results-oriented business, as Stanley McClover and I talked about earlier. Nobody cares about your feelings in this business. And to folks that are defending Teddy, I'll tell you the same thing that the folks that, that would bash Cam would say or defend Cam would say. They shouldn't care one iota about any of the criticism. It fuels them. They love it. They thrive off it. As a competitor, it surprised me. Let's see. Curse Delore. Giving too many energy to the naysayers. Do your thing and let them fit <laughs> Thank you, Cursed Lawyer. Ah, I'm not giving them credit for anything. I'm just... <laughs> no, there's something to be said for that. I get that. These are It's not just naysayers. These are credible people that have been knocking 10 here on my DMs about it. But uh, no, look, these 
Matt Rule spent a lot of time in his press conference, and, and you know Joe Person, who I'm, I, I would like to think a mutual respect is there in terms of work. I know I respect the hell out of his work. Um, he asked some really good questions in that presser to Matt Rule. He pushed back on me a little bit on Twitter and said, "Do you not want you know coaches being open and direct?" Uh, and my my point there is, as a reporter, absolutely. Yeah, if I if I am in uh, if I'm in Joe's shoes or uh, you know Nick Carboni's shoes or uh, Steve Reed, any of these guys, that, you know, reporting, absolutely. But as a coach, Matt spent a lot of time giving credence to some of the chatter on Twitter and that presser, unsolicited. And um, I, I think that's pretty revealing. I think that that that's that's there's some positives there. There's some negatives there potentially about you know uh, how much time you want to spend. You know, people have said, don't don't feed the trolls. Matt just spent five minutes in his presser <laughs> addressing Twitter trolls about tanking. <laughs> so, so just, um, I, I just think there's so much, Billy said this on the podcast, there's so much emotion in the fan base right now about what to do about the draft. I don't know if the head coach needs to be, you know, spending valuable time at a presser, having an extended, you know, open-ended, um, unsolicited to a point conversation about, cultural uh fan vibes i i just do your job keep winning it'll all take care of itself that's just as a reporter keep talking because the quotes are great hell it's giving us content now but um yeah bridgewater you know i had a question that popped up here about is he going to be here next year yeah he he will be i mean there's no the contract we posted this earlier it's, it's pretty prohibitive after this year you're carrying a lot of dead money um and I, I, I don't think that you're going to be in a situation where um, you're, you're going to have any chance to trade. I, I don't think there's been enough good tape to, to entice anybody to trade for him. Um, you you got to look at the, the, the flip side, too, with the, the, the dynamic between Newton and, and Bridgewater. Put Bridgewater in Newton's situation and vice versa, okay? Just for shits and giggles. And then take away when... Is is basically on the COVID list. The, all the core guys like Patrick Chung, Hightower, the really good core guys, and Edelman. Take away Edelman, Tom Brady's safety valve throughout what was a fairly mediocre year for him last year. And I, I would tell you, it would not be favorable for Bridgewater. Plus, he wouldn't give you twelve rushing touchdowns. All right, there are no tight ends in Carolina. LL. Yeah, well, you know, there's. I'm telling you, watch the tape. Ian Thomas is getting open. Okay, so just. Be, be careful about that. Ian Thomas is open and he's not getting it. Um, I'm just saying, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, the quarterback needs to do a better job getting the ball to Ian Thomas. He's been open. I'll show you some examples throughout the week here. Um, and then the, for, for an example, put, put Newton, just for hypothetically, put Newton back in Carolina here. Okay. He was never going to be here because they didn't want him. They didn't want him. And so according to some people, Cam, what you going to be here anyway? Um, but put Cam with these weapons. And again, even with the offensive line, he can overcome that because of his mobility and his strength. But put Cam with this group of weapons and, and then tell me with a straight face, intellectually, honestly, that those numbers wouldn't be at least flipped. That Bridgewater, do you think Bridgewater could throw more than five touchdowns after dealing with COVID with what they're working with in New England? And then tell me that Newton would have worse production than Bridgewater with these weapons, with whom he's built tremendous chemistry with over the years. that That's my whole point of it. Newton was building something good with this group, with DJ, with Curtis, with CMC, with Moten. With, there, there was some good continuity there, man. And uh, it, it'll forever be a situation that'll be relitigated. And it, I, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, Derek Maddox. Teddy would be five touchdowns, 15 picks New England this year. That's, that's what I'm trying to get across here. here here's where we're going to end it, okay? Just because you feel as a fan or as an analyst or as a, you know, a, a fan club guy, whatever you do on Twitter, I respect the hell out of you. <laughs> whatever you... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> whatever you think of Cam Newton, that's fine. It, I've even admitted it on tape. It hasn't been pretty all the time. But if you can honestly say that this franchise is now vindicated because of Cam Newton's stats in a COVID-filled year where he actually had the virus. I've had the virus, too. It ain't pleasant. 
don't know how symptomatic he was, but it took away from his, you know, obviously took away from his momentum this year. He had COVID. He had limited time to learn the Earhart Perkins model that they're running up there, of which he ran with Norv and with uh, Shula. And, and, and can you honestly tell me with a straight face that, oh, because Cam has five passing touchdowns, Carolina's got their shit together. The, the jury's still out on two things, folks. The jury's still out on Cam Newton's recovery and progression moving forward because he's probably not coming back to New England. And he might find himself in a pretty good situation moving forward. He does a backup, resetting his career kind of like Randall Cunningham did, some other guys did over the years. Or maybe he's a starter because there's some mediocre starters out there, including the one in Carolina right now, making $33 million guaranteed. And then tell me also, okay, Cam's numbers are what they are, but you're really going to tell me that this franchise has their shit together completely because they got rid of Cam? Look at what they paid for the quarterback right now who has netted you basically the same amount, or roughly the same amount of total touchdowns as Newton, playing with far more weapons, as it has accounted for more turnovers. <laughs> when you add the fumbles and the interceptions together, I just, folks, I'm telling you, just, just be okay with some honest talk here. I just see, I see the, I see the chatter out there, and I know it's directed at, at you know, guys like Billy and myself, and and, I, and we get the comments too. And I, it's not just I'm just saying, it's not just trolls. If it was uh Billy F one fifty seven nine four six five six five on Twitter, we'd need to be just an instant block. But there's some people that continue to drive home this narrative that somehow, oh, quit with the Teddy slander. Give me, grow the hell up. <laughs> just stop it. 33 million guaranteed. It's not slander. It's analysis. There's nothing slanderous about anything we've said about Teddy. He makes a play. We compliment it. He screws up. We break it down. It's not slander just because you don't want to buy into it. So there you go. Good talk. <laughs> Go through a few more questions here. Let's see. Uh, I got my I got my wind back, folks. Did some live radio tonight for Clemson, and now I'm feeling good. I'm out of the COVID protocol for good, so I'm I'm feeling myself tonight here. Feeling dangerous, as they say. Um, let's see. PFF Draft Podcast this week said Panthers are bottom three in future outlook because of the quarterback and draft position. That's from Anita Rindle. Uh, yeah, PFF does some good work, and they do some work that I don't agree with, but I I you know I. Uh, there's a lot to be determined about the future outlook of this franchise. You have a college coach who's won five games so far, two of which came against some really bad teams. Uh, actually, a few came against some bad teams. The only real playoff competent team you've beaten is Arizona because Washington is just the whole division's garbage. So against quality wins matter, and they you know they play competitive. But okay, the head coach, we'll see where he goes. They don't have a lot of draft equity right now. They don't have a lot to work with, so they can't really maneuver like Miami did. Um, I, you know, they could even trade up for Lawrence, but it'll cost them everything. I, I might do it. He's that good. If they had more equity to work with, they just don't have enough assets to work with right now. If they had a few number ones down the road or a few number twos from some prior moves or had more tradable assets, yeah. I mean, Curtis, he's coming to the end of the line with his contract. so You can't trade him anymore. You could have. So I just, yeah, I, I think the future is an incomplete. Uh, Derek Maddox, you've been very fair in your criticism of Teddy. Thank you. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Anita, appreciate the honesty and film review from you and Billy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Billy's great, by the way. I've learned a lot from him, too, in terms of uh, some of the nuances. He's been uh, a hell of a guy to work with. Um, greatest Panthers player in history for you, John. That's from underscore A14I. Um Steve Smith, and honestly, uh, if you ever had a chance to watch Steve Smith up close and personal, uh, or even at the stadium, uh, I've had a chance to watch him at field level. I've had a chance to watch him, uh, of course, on TV, at the games. Uh, I've been around him at camp, uh, inside the ropes. He's an absolute freak of nature. I still, He can still play, I'm sure, but... The energy that Steve Smith played with, uh, the the passion, the the um, and and just the, for his size, it was so remarkable to watch him just bully people five six inches bigger than him in the secondary, 
got crackbacks on linebackers, you know, coming down inside and taking out defensive ends on 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 wham blocks there. Just an outstanding football player who went through some stretches of, of, of some some tough growth there for a while, but eventually found his way and 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 blossomed into one of the you know good guys in the community in Charlotte. So I mean, I just. Cam is uh, right up there, you know. Luke, uh, Greg Olson, Sam Mills, Kevin Green. Uh, there's just there. I'm missing so many guys here, but uh, Luther Brown. He's my favorite player. <laughs> my good friend Luther Brown, Stanley McClover, two of my favorite Panthers in history. There you go. Uh, we'll go with those two guys too. A um, lot of thoughts about the podcast. I really appreciate you guys on that. Um, does everything that happened this year with the offense cause DJ Moore to refuse a new contract? It's from Panther underscore EV or demand a trade. I don't know about that. I, I, I think it's hard to know um, how he feels about all this. I mean, I, I'd be frustrated at times. I, I think there's a difference. When you get into a locker room situation, there's a bond you grow with your quarterback, with your fellow guys. And I think he's he's got a pretty good bond with Teddy. But I... I I think if everybody's going to be honest with themselves, they they understand where the limitations are right now, and they've got to do a better job. Um, so I got to – I mean, there was like 50,000 questions here. Uh, if Micah Parsons is there, should that be the first-round pick? No, I would not draft a linebacker in the first round. I would not do that. It's not a route I would go down. I know it worked with Luke, but this team has other needs right now besides linebacker. I think it's important to address those needs. Offensive tackle, they haven't had a good offensive tackle in like you know 74 years now, so it's uh, – uh, Fields, I like Fields better than most. I'll be honest with you. I think he's really good. Um, the Ohio State quarterback thing, I just don't know. He didn't look great lately, but uh, I still like what he brings overall. Trey Lance, I mean, that's, that's someone brought up Boomer Bust. Yeah, there's some risk there. Uh, but I mean, there was, you know, a lot of people said the same about Mahomes, and, you know, he was drafted beyond the top 10, and look what happened there. So, um, do, 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 do. Let's see here. Anything else? Uh, any questions? I think that's about it. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Um, this has been fun. A little cathartic. Uh, again, I would just suggest it to, to you guys, follow who you want to follow. I mean, you know, look, if you got problems with my views here, let's talk it out. I got no problem with that. We're very open forum here. Um you don't have to DM me either. I mean, we could do it down in the open there, but if you want to DM me, that's fine. I'm always here. You guys that DM me, you know that you guys are always here to, to chat with me, and that's fine. But uh, it just as a whole, it just, it just, I'm, not, I'm not the custodian of the fan base here. I don't claim to be, you know, the <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the official authorized uh, custodian of fandom in the Panthers. No, I'm, I'm just a guy that does analysis and has fun shooting the shit. Um it, it just don't take any of this personal. That's what I'd suggest. It's these are football players, highly compensated people who are all living very comfortably. They all have feelings, sure, but you know, nothing we're saying here is personal. So just you know, maybe you guys could do a little self examination. Those of you who are coming at my neck and dial it back a little bit because you know we're just here having fun. That's all it is to it. All right, gang, uh, 930. I got to go lay down some kids for bed and uh, be a dad. So enjoy the talk, and uh, let's have some more fun later. All right, see you guys.